Good day. You're listening to European Buddha. All right. A warm hello and welcome. In this episode, we won't talk about a group or an initiative. We will talk about coming together, a conference initiated by the EBU by the end of April with an interesting title, Buddhism in Europe, Unity in Diversity. For this, we invited a speaker, Dhamma Charini Vasika from the Tri Ratna Buddhist Order. Hello, Vasika. Hello. So maybe let's start by getting to know you and how you came across the Dharma. Uh, I came across the Dharma when I was at university. So I was 19 years old. So it's a little, little while ago now. <laughs> I wasn't really looking for anything in particular, um, but a friend of mine found there was a little group of um, a Buddhism and meditation group run by members of the Tri Ratna Buddhist Order. And one of my friends at university went along and uh, his girlfriend and I, who were very good friends, we observed changes in him, very positive changes. So we went along to find out what it was all about. and. Um, First of all, I discovered that meditation really worked. It really helped me to develop my concentration, my ability to be present. Um, and it helped me to work on my relationship with myself and with other people and to become more patient and positive and uh, understanding and kind. And I didn't particularly want to discover Buddhism to start with, but gradually I started to listen to the what people said about Buddhism as well. And it just made complete sense to me. It was almost as if I knew it already. And, mm -hmm. um, so what inspired you in the first place? Was it like the meditation practice, the view or the philosophy or like um, the friendship? The first thing was meditation, because that was the first thing I experienced and I practiced and I saw the effects. Uh, the second thing was the view. What I heard seemed to give me the best explanation of the human experience that I heard so far. And I was studying psychology, <laughs> which mm -hmm. wasn't satisfying my need to understand the human situation. And um, the Dharma uh, helped me much more with that. And then later came the friendship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as you just mentioned, you are a member of the Tri Ratna Buddhist order. Most of the time, these um, these traditions are founded by a figure or like a inspiring practitioner. Mm -hmm. Did you get to know Urgen Sangha? Sangha Rakshita. I did, actually. I was fortunate um, to be around at the time. He died uh, three years ago now. Um, and uh, firstly, I got to know him through his taped lectures that we would listen to during day retreats. And uh, I just found his exposition of the Dharma extraordinarily clear and lucid and practical. Um, I loved the way he brought in um, Western culture, science, literature, uh, poetry, art. Uh, so it anchored Buddhism within my own culture. It really spoke to me. 
And then we would go up to London. I lived in Bristol at the time, which is in the southwest of England. And we would go up to London in a little minibus together and we would listen to Sangharakshita giving live talks in London because he was still around doing that at that time. And I just found it electrifying actually watching him and listening to him. Um, and sometimes I would go and see him. Uh, I used to write long letters to him <laughs> uh, and I would go and visit him. And over the years, I visited him on a number of occasions. Um, he was always very, very kind. And I told him what was going on in my life. And sometimes I'd ask him questions. And when I moved to Paris to help with the Buddhist center that somebody else had set up, um, I felt we really started to get to know each other better because I was then helping to further his life's work, which was to spread the Dharma in the West. Uh, in, and he'd always wanted to have a center in Paris. So he was a very, very important presence in my life, a source of inspiration and a friend in some ways, in the way that the fact that he really supported me, but not a personal friend and not a personal teacher either. In the Tri Ratna Buddhist order, we have a, a network of friendships of Kalyana Mitrata, of spiritual friendships, where we all help each other. Uh, those who are more experienced help those who are less experienced. Uh, we mem members of the order do the teaching and support those who come along to learn from us. So we don't rely on Sangharakshita as uh, a teacher in the, in the traditional guru sense of the word. Um, although we all rely on his exposition of the Dharma and the way he taught it to us that we then try to pass on. And uh, what was his way of teaching like, uh, especially if you say he was about uh, implementing Buddhism in the Western society? Could you name some... Um, some way he he approached the Dharma in this way. He gave, he taught a great deal through giving lectures, uh, through giving talks. He also did seminars with some of his more experienced disciples um, in the early days, where he would take a traditional text from the Pali Canon or from the Mahayana texts, and he would go through the text with people and explore it. And one of the things that was really important for him to was to always say in what way is this relevant for me, for us today, practicing the Dharma today? What did the Buddha want to say there? Or what did Padmasambhava want to say? What was the message that they were trying to get across? And how do we live that out today in the West? But then what he would also do, which I found very special, was to try and put it, the, the teachings in an, a Western idiom. For example, there's a lovely lecture called Mind Reactive, Mind Creative which basically talks about how our mind, our state of mind conditions our experience and how our experience conditions our state of mind and how we have a choice as to carry on reacting in the same old way, a bit like a slot machine uh, where you put the coin in and something comes out and it's always the same. Like, Or mind creative, we can respond creatively by being aware of what happens within us, being aware of our emotional responses, and then choosing to respond skillfully um, instead of just reactively responding unskillfully. And so it's a traditional Buddhist teaching, but put in a very Western, accessible, almost psychological idiom, uh, which makes it very accessible and, and practicable. 
Would he uh, have been interested in uh, this conference uh, with the title Buddhism in Europe, Unity and Diversity? I think he really would have been, yes, because um, one of the things that he did was exactly to search for what is Uh, what is it that unifies all Buddhist schools? He went out to India um, at the end, towards the end of the Second World War with the army and uh, British army. And he stayed there and studied with a number of different teachers from different traditions, um, including the Theravada, the Chinese and the Tibetan traditions. And he read very, very widely. He read everything he could find uh, right from an early age about Buddhism. And one of his preoccupations was, well, in all this diversity and all these different expressions of the Buddha's teaching that are so varied and sometimes you would look at two and wonder how they come from the same source and his preoccupation was to know well what is it that unifies all that and in his book A Survey of Buddhism he talks about the unity of Buddhism and, and at that point he talks about what unifies what unites us is us all commonly seeking enlightenment um, so in a sense it's the buddha it's our practice of moving towards enlightenment will this be the topic you are also going to talk about at the conference probably but i don't know for sure yet it's right i don't write my talks quite so much in advance <laughs> <laughs> but yes i do think um that one thing i have really gained from him is that breadth of perspective because our movement doesn't uh, follow a particular tradition it takes from the whole of the whole of the buddhist tradition mm -hmm. not indiscriminately uh, <laughs> but mm. we take things that are accessible and useful to all of us so i've studied mahayana suttas i've studied the pali canon um, i studied tibetan texts uh, chinese texts zen texts and i do have not an in-depth knowledge of all these different traditions, but a sense of the flavor of each of them. And I also have a sense of what unites them all. Um, mm -hmm. And I find that very exciting because when I meet other Buddhists, I'm able to um, tune into something that, that we both share. Um, mm -hmm. And which I'd like to, I think what I, how I would put it is it's our going for refuge to the three jewels, our commitment towards the Buddha and his teaching and our common practice. So this uh, conference comes into a time where the word unity is not that uh, uh, common. So we experience a world with a lot of differences. Yes. I was thinking this comes to an interesting time because speaking about unity, it's really uh, wakes something in me up, mm. something that I'm missing as a mm -hmm. human being. So I was reflecting about it and saying, okay, it acknowledges the diversity, but it highlights this very important viewpoint of feeling united in some way. I agree. I think it's a really, really good topic for our times. Um, and I think it's interesting because there's quite a lot of emphasis on uh, interfaith dialogue. And I think it's really good to have inter-Buddhist dialogue. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to uh, this coming together of many Buddhists from different traditions and this opportunity to meet with each other, to listen to each other, talk about our practice, to look for what it is we have in common um, and to celebrate that, to share it and celebrate that. Because I think 
the Buddha's message is more relevant. To, no, it's not more relevant. It's as relevant today as it ever has been. But it, mm -hmm. it really is very relevant and very necessary for the world we're living in. And I think we have, we as Buddhists, have a much better chance of sharing it, getting it across, making it available to other people if we are united and if we can show, yes, if we can show the positive qualities that practicing the Dharma uh, brings about together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You already mentioned that what unifies the various Buddhist traditions are the three jewels, like Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. Um, then this question about, okay, uh, why are there so, uh, so different kind of approaches? What unifies them all? I think it's important for us all to try and remember the historical perspective. Um, so it all starts with the Buddha. And the real benefit of the Buddha's message, uh, and I would summarize his message as, as the, the fact that all things are conditioned, um, the conditioned nature of all things. And that message is over and above time and space. Uh, it transcends time and space. It transcends culture. It transcends history. And for that reason, it travels really well. And it can mm. implant itself in different cultures and in different places. And that's why we have such a variety of, of different traditions, because Buddhism implanted itself in different cultures and in different countries. So now when we in the West, these traditions arrive in the West, we have the benefit of that historical perspective. And we can say, oh, well, we know why, uh, you know, Tibetan Buddhism is colored by Tibetan culture and Chinese Buddhism and Japanese Buddhism and all the rest, it's colored. And I think what's really exciting is we have a chance for a Western or a modern version of Buddhism to develop that doesn't necessarily have to stick to any of these cultures Uh, exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think it's really important that as Buddhists, we try to bring that perspective to it and step away from any sense that my tradition is, is the best or the right or the truest or the most authentic or um, mm -hmm. and just be really, really open to finding out. Actually, I suppose what I could say is, At the, at the bottom line, we're all practicing in some way. We're all trying to evolve spiritually in some way. And some people are doing it by sitting in silent meditation. Some people are doing it by a lot of ritual and visualizations. Some people are doing it by their action in the world or by chanting. Um, I don't think it's the expression that's important, that, that, that's the most important. The expression is, I think we need to get back to what's underneath the expression. What is it we're trying to do, each of us? And I think we can really connect with each other on that level. Um, how are you evolving in your life? How does your practice help you to do that? Um, mm -hmm. But that means dialogue, it means listening, it means sitting with each other, talking, sharing, listening, maybe even trying out each other's practices. <laughs> um, yeah. 
finding out what is it like to sit in a Tibetan puja or to sit again, sit in a Zen, uh, Zen, um, do, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, uh, Zendo. No, what's it called? Uh, uh, yeah, Zendo, yes. Zendo with your face to the wall. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what is it like? Why, you know, what, what effect does it have? And, um, mm -hmm. uh, how can I relate to that as a, as mm -hmm. a practitioner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, some, of the essence of the Buddhist teaching is like this uh, practice of letting letting go mm. and getting to know your attachments and mm. then um, learning to let them go. Mm. And it's a when I'm thinking about it, it's a pretty open situation. Yes, there are various ways and various skillful means to to do that, but in the end, it's as as we know, it's not that easy. But no. uh, <laughs> human beings have a terrible tendency to hold on. <laughs> so what would you recommend to someone interested in Buddhism uh, where to begin? We have some schools and maybe we also have like some interesting uh, schools or traditions or orders like the Tree Ratna order, who has a like a, maybe a holistic approach. Mm. Uh, but what would you recommend? I think. I mean, I think that's one of the richness, the, the rich things about the Buddhist tradition is that there are so many different expressions of the Dharma, and um, so in a way, each person can find something that suits them. And um, it reminds me of the, the the in the Pali Canon. There's the Kalama Sutta, where there's a, a um, the Kalamas are a, a bunch of people who go to the Buddha and say, "But every every week, a new holy man comes into our village and tells us what the truth is, and tells us what we should believe and what we should practice. How do we know? How do we decide which one is the right one?" And the Buddha said, "Well, you should." listen to what they say and then put it into practice don't do it because it's the tradition don't do it because they say it's true don't do it just do it because it, you try it and does it work for you um, mm -hmm. does it make a difference does it make you freer does it make you happier does it make you kinder uh, does it make you more content um, mm -hmm. and uh, does it alleviate your suffering and so i think each one of us has to find the path that is right for us. So I would really encourage people to go to different centers and try, try different approaches, try different practices, ask questions. I think it's really important to ask questions uh, to understand. Um, mm -hmm. But you also have to try something for long enough for it to work. Uh, if you go to a different Buddhist center each week and then decide, you know, try to decide, I don't think you're giving it enough chance. I think you have to try long enough uh, to find out whether it works. And then at some point, I think, ideally, you could make yourself to one, one path, one, one tradition. Um, yeah, I think it's also a very valuable lesson that you are learning to get into uh, practice. Like we talk, we yes. often talk about, we do our practice. People who don't know Buddhism, maybe they say, oh, what kind of practice is that? But mm. it's also like this willingness to open to your experience. Mm. And I think it's a very valuable lesson I learned uh, while practicing in some styles. Yeah, it's basically something very valuable that helps you in your life. But only if you do it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I, I think that's one of the really challenging things about Buddhism. Um, 
you can't just go to a Buddhist center once a week and listen to a nice talk. You can, but that's not going to change your life or your mental states. That's mm-hmm. not going to free you from suffering. At some point, you have to really take on the Buddhist teaching and put it into practice in your life through meditation. I think meditation is essential uh, because that's how we work on the mind. That's how mm-hmm. we change and transform our mental states. But also through ethical practice, our meditation and our, our Buddhist beliefs have to find an expression through the way we behave in the world and we behave with other people. So if I'm going going into lovely, positive, delightful, peaceful mental states in my meditation practice, but then I'm going down the road and shouting at my neighbor or robbing from the supermarket, well, I'm not really practicing the Buddhist teaching. So it should be, it should gradually be infiltrating all the different aspects of our life uh, Mm. so that our life becomes an expression of of the Dharma. And that's not an easy path. Uh, We have to be prepared to do that. And as you say, prepared, sometimes it will be difficult. Sometimes it might be painful. Maybe sometimes we think we suffer even more. Um, Mm. It's not getting better. Yeah. And that's when we need spiritual friends. That's when we need the Sangha, because that's when we need other people who can say, yes, I've been there and it got better. Don't worry. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Or have you tried this? Or... uh, Yeah, well, actually, I don't know if you realize this, but you're much kinder than you used to be. Um, I've really experienced it. We need to encourage each other. We need to share our our practice. And I think the the Sangha is really important. So perhaps I should also say to people who are looking for a place to practice, looking for a, a Buddhist path, that they should also see how they feel with the people uh, mm. in the places that they go to? Do they feel comfortable mm. with them? Do they feel inspired by their example? Um, mm. Are these people they would like to share part of their lives with? Yeah, wonderful. So I hope you get some appetite for the EBU conference Buddhism in Europe, Unity in Diversity. It is going to be a weekend in Nord in France starting with the 22nd of April in the evening with an opening ceremony and uh, the next two days will be full of workshops, talks and rich exchanges. Registration will be online soon. We are putting a link in the episode description so you can access um, the registration and it will be possible to join the conference online for a small fee And by this way, we hope that many people can participate. Uh, Vasika, will you join in Nantes? Yes, unfortunately, it clashes with um, a meditation weekend here in Paris at our Buddhist center, for which I shall be needed uh, for part of. So I will be there for the Saturday and probably the Friday evening as well. Okay. I'm sorry, I can't. I haven't quite learned the cities yet that allow me to be in two places at the same time. So I have to choose. But luckily, so far from Paris, so I can I can get there. Yeah, Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. So everybody is encouraged to participate and to join and to contemplate about these words of unity and diversity. We can also say maybe richness. Yes. Thank you very much for your time it's been a pleasure talking with you and maybe do you have some some last words or 
some conclusion or something that you just want to share? Oh, just the last words of the Buddha. All things are conditioned with mindfulness, drive on.